Welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and today I have a session from the Digiday Media Buying Summit for you. Digiday has long used an in and out format to kind of indicate what's trending and what's totally out of date in the industry. Now we're bringing that in and out format live to our Media Buying Summit. Our attendees joined us as we went through a rapid fire round of some of the most wired and tired concepts, phrases, and trends in media. Listen in. Hey, welcome back. Um, hope everybody got a chance to get some coffee and a brownie. I did. Um, so I'm excited to introduce our next session. Um, one of the things we like to do at Digiday is talk a lot about hype versus reality, kind of se separate you know, truth from uh, lies. And one of the for formats that we've had on the site, if you've seen them uh, for a long time now, has been in and out, where for whether it's for Cannes or whether it's for South by Southwest or whether it's just at certain points in the year, we'll often do kind of a temperature check on kind of some of the most wired and tired concepts in media and marketing. Um, so we've decided to bring it live um, with a couple of our speakers from today. So they'll be joining me up on stage and then I'll explain the rules. So Louisa Wong, Chief Transformation Officer at Kara, and Steve Williams, CEO of Essence North America. Come on up. You're the one. You're the rose amongst the thorns. I don't bite. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit with me. Hi. Hi. How are you? Excellent. Good. Thank Welcome you. to the hot seats. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the hot seats. High seats or the hot seats? <laughs> high, seats. <laughs> high seats. High seats. Um, okay. In and out. The deal here is uh, we've picked a few phrases, concepts, kind of things that have been happening in media marketing that everyone knows and they've been buzzed around. Um, they're gonna go up on screen. These guys have kind of an idea what they are, but they don't really know exactly what they are. Actually, I think you no, might no, not have, know. You have no, no idea. idea what they are, so, because I forgot to send them. It's funny how that happened. Ooh. Great. Um, that was on purpose. Um, but, so we're gonna get these up on, uh, up on the screen. You're gonna tell us whether you think they're in or they're out and then you'll get about a minute to explain why, and then we'll go from there. You ready? Yes. Let's go. Okay. Brands will move to in-house media. Oh. In. What about you? Can I do oh, you this? Just, you just picked in. Can I, can I do no, this? Oh, That's I forgot. Doing. Okay. Oh, you're doing that too, yeah. yeah. There's, there's nothing, there's no halfway. No, no, because, because so, so I think there's a very broad generalization, say, okay. in-house in media everything, right? I think the aspects of it that will move in-house, because clients know how to get value out of their scale in some instances, okay. and how to use agency scale as well to help complement it. So I think it's a combination of both. I don't think it's a one-dimensional, oh yes, clients will move to moving things in-house. So that. I, I agree, I agree, and I would say that we can't not say in because it's happening before our very eyes. So why, why would we argue with that? It's happening for all sorts of different reasons that no doubt we'll explore a little bit more later on today. Um, but I also think a lot of the headlines uh, in terms of the percentages you see coming out of the ANA, for example, are fueled by clients, understandably, because clients in America, for all the non-Americans in the room, are huge, right? Mm -hmm. So having an in-house source of knowledge is critical. So I think a lot of in-housing in the headlines is described as in-house media strategy, which mm -hmm. I wouldn't put in the same band as in-house execution particularly, but nevertheless, it's a thing. That's it. Oh, okay. Blockchain will solve media transparency issues in the next two years. Out and in. Oh, conflict. Glad. Love See, it. You go first. Well, it depends on your definition of solving media transparency. I think we're kidding ourselves if we think the blockchain is going to be the panacea to, you know, the dark alleys of the interweb, right? So, for that reason, I say out mm -hmm. because that is going to take an ongoing, as it 
continues to be industry effort to do the right thing in the world of media and advertising. So for that reason, I say out. Will it help in the more functional, speed-driven areas of execution and being able to do shit quicker? Yes, but I don't call that media transparency. Okay. Uh, so I say it's in because I think some of the initial tests when I think about how blockchain is being used in bill paying reconciliation as an example, which is primarily where clients are con concerned about where's my money going, who is it going to, and how is it reconciled at the back end. Okay. So like smart now, contracts. And all yeah, like smart okay. contracts, exactly. So if you think of the opportunity of what it starts to do, it sets a framework mm -hmm. for how we think about blockchain can be applied mm -hmm. in other workflow systems. So when I say media transparency, for me, my interpretation of media transparency is clients wanting to get access to accurate media data surrounding their media campaigns in real time. And I think that if, you, if I look at the likes of Unilever or whether it's P&G trying to build their own enterprise solutions and partnering with the likes of whether it's IBM or Adobe and Salesforce, that they will create an ecosystem around blockchain that helps solve for their solution. It won't solve for the industry. So as I said, it sets a framework for how we might approach it in the future. But mm -hmm. certainly, I think we'll see proof of concepts that will scale in the next two years. I'm curious about sort of that argument, because there is a narrative that block the blockchain will help kind of, you know, figure out that ads are actually being delivered when they say they're being delivered, just kind of you tag ad creative. And you're also seeing, to your point earlier about the Lumiscape, you're seeing a plethora, again, of blockchain tech companies. Um, I think they were the same companies that did AI and the same companies who did something else before that, but who are pivoting to this and saying, like, it's going to actually be about tracking creative and making sure it's appearing at the right place, right time. And... To, in that space, how far away are we from that becoming a reality? I think, I mean, I th I mean we're in violent agreement on your statement. I was taking it to a slightly different sure. direction, but I think we're in that space now. I mean, we're doing tests within the Group M environment that are mm -hmm. proving that stuff out. And we're, we've just taken on a big client that is investigating this area heftily, and we've got another big client involved in auditing some of that stuff without talking about client names. So it's happening. Okay. It's, a, it's a thing now, for sure. So I don't think it's a future thing. It's, we're on it. Yeah, exactly. GDPR is good for the industry. In, in, okay. I but it's really hard, and nobody well, I, really knows what it is. Yeah, well, hold on. So, so I think rather than say GDPR, I think regulation is good for the industry, right? I think that we should, I think the tech giants, the wall gardens should be audited. I think they should be regulated, not just at a state level with Californian law, sure. but actually at a national level. So should, there should be regulation on platforms. Absolutely. Anybody that owns data, touches data, we need an ISO accreditation process or some way of actually managing. Because otherwise, like blockchain is going to get out of control very quickly, and then you don't know what, whether what you're buying is real. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that's what, at that intersection now, mm -hmm. where we have so many, there's so much data talk. It's like, sure. what's real, what isn't real? Regulation will help us discern who are the right players in the ecosystem. No, I agree. I think it, you know, it's, just, it's created a significant moment in time and a moment of awareness and allowed us to put back that connection with consumers and content with a degree of trust behind it. I think the so fully applaud it. Um, it gets complicated clearly because of the route out of UK stroke EMEA and what that means globally. And I think we're about to go through our own little case study of what all of this means with there's at least seven different states going through their own form of mm -hmm. uh, data uh, compliance mm -hmm. uh, that's coming through this year. We're doing a lot of work with the four A's on this piece as well. So it's going to get really complicated within the island of, of America as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's fascinating times, but right. God knows the industry needs this and it's about rebuilding trust mm -hmm. with content and consumers. So it has to be a thing. Do you agree, agree that sort of Facebook, big, they should be regulated too? Uh, yes. So, um, okay. <laughs> Good. You got it.
Um, I'm curious, I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think you're going to see, look, if Facebook, if there's going to be a sea change when it comes to Facebook, it's going to come from a, one of the following. Either people will stop using it um, as just a platform, consumers. Um, people will stop wanting to work there. Um, I don't really see any of these things happening. And the third one is advertisers will significantly cut down how much they're spending on it. And some of these pressures are going to be it. And now there's a fourth one, which is the government is going to have to step in and do something about it. Why, cannot, why can't it be the third? If there have been all of these calls for regulation, all these calls for cleaning up your act, the advertisers, the people in this room, are the ones who are best positioned to do it. Why doesn't it happen? Well, I mean, you're pointing out Facebook, right? I, 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 I would say Facebook. They're still learning as they go along. Sure, they're I'm just seeing a big Facebook sign over yeah. there, so oh. I decided to just go for it. Oops, they're sponsoring, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. Hi. Awkward. Uh, what will I say? Well, it doesn't matter. Um, I will say this, that they're still, they're still going through their growing pains, and sure. they're still trying to figure out. And you, if you notice their narrative, they still compare themselves to Google every now and again, which I find quite amusing, right? I think the likes of... Google actually are the ones that need to step up because I think they've done enough research in this area. They've got enough data engineers to solve this. They're fighting, they're fighting cybersecurity day in, day out. They have the technology, but they're not opening up that conversation. Mm -hmm. And if they don't open up that conversation, uh, I, I think whether, whether consumers continue to use Google, Google services in the platform, sure. that's the one that I would be concerned about. I think all these wall gardens need to rebuild trust okay. because right now, all the data breaches that we're seeing in the headlines, everything, you know, consumers, or, uh, lobbyists and you know, independent groups mm -hmm. coming out and saying, what are you doing with my data? Until we create more transparency around that and a value exchange, by the way, yeah. because, hey, I don't mind you using my data so I've got better services, right? Better price point, whatever it may be. Once I know that value exchange, I'm more willingly to actually live in your ecosystem, be okay about it. Yeah, yeah and look, it's not just Facebook. I'm, I'm YouTube, latest brand crisis yesterday. Everyone's going to pause their spending. Big brands are going to do something about it. Again, this is just the latest in something that almost is beyond everyone's control. Are we just going to have to get better as brands and advertisers to admitting that there might be a margin for error here and it's never going to be 100%? Well, it's not might be. It, it's the it, case. As long as you have an open platform, and I think in this room particularly, we'd all continue to want to have open platforms, otherwise we're in uh -huh. a different kind of regulated state, then that is going to happen. We just need, to, as an industry, to continue to have our eye on the ball, be super agile about how we deal with that. I mean, I think I would disagree slightly with the point about let's look at Google rather than Facebook. I mean, Facebook's a 17-year-old you know, and Google's a you know, 25, 30-year-old or whatever. Mm -hmm. you know, they're at slightly different stages of evolution. So absolutely, Facebook are finding this stuff out as they go. And I, and I believe that they're doing their best. You know, we all know great people at Facebook, and I, I don't believe they've got anything else in their minds. And I, you know, we work quite closely with Google in many of these mm -hmm. regards, as you would understand. And you know, I, I will tell you that they're doing a huge amount to continue to be on top of this stuff and opening up to the industry. Our people, as I'm sure everybody else's people, were on a call yesterday and the day before with senior leaders within Google looking at the latest um, shenanigans with regard to YouTube. You know, it, it's not Google's fault. We just need to continue to be live and agile about how we deal with it and accept that you can't be 100% sure mm -hmm. in today's world, and we never will be now. Amazon can become a bigger ad platform than Google. <sighs> I'm genuinely surprised. I'm mm. often not surprised. Well, about what? That you're out and she's not really totally in. I, I, okay. So, no, they could and they couldn't. So uh, they could. Well, okay, they can't. Well, it is. They can. They can. <sighs> it's a bit of. I know. 
You go first, then. Okay. <laughs> so, so I think it's an interesting hypothesis. Uh, clearly, Giant, you know, the size of their business is one thing. The size of their ad platform is, is I think, the thing that we shouldn't confuse. Right. So, uh, in my humble opinion, you know, where Google are with their stack and the integration of it and, you know, edX and, and DB360 and the whole search platform, I just think they're too well put together at the moment for this to feel like a kind of overtake threat if that needs to be an important conversation. Mm -hmm. There's no question that Amazon are up there and are driving, but I think they're doing it in different ways and I think mm. they'll be in slightly different areas of the market in that regard. D do I really believe that Amazon will make, you know, ads the feature to drive everything? I think that's a very interesting byproduct for that business, whereas it is in many no parts Google's business. So <laughs> right. that, that's why I'm more on the side of out than in, but okay. never say never. So the stat that's playing in my mind is, so Gartner Research says that 30% of search will not occur on a screen by 2020, right? OCNC is a management consultancy company, said that in 2018, voice commerce was 1.8 billion. And they fathom that's going to grow to 40 billion by 2022, mm -hmm. okay? So if I were to think about those two stats that's running through my mind, how quickly they connect to IoT, how quickly they start to connect to commerce services. Through will, Echo and already Through Echo, products. through Hope, whatever it may be, will, will be the game changer. And so if Amazon can get out of their own way, they could. But I haven't seen them get out of their own way yet. Well, when you say get so out of their own way, is Silos it like, within their organizations itself. But then to, to Steve's point, it's because their main business is selling goods Correct. and getting vendors and sellers on But I think those worlds are starting to collide, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just about whether it's just selling goods or... Sorry, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Do you think that there's more that they could be doing, or is, is there more that they could be doing in terms of actually reaching out to, quote unquote, Madison Avenue? Is there more that needs to be done in terms of just, within their own organization, understanding whether this is a priority? Because that's something I yeah. hear, because it's not really, it's still, it's a two and a half billion dollar business, about a three billion dollar business last quarter. Um, but that's nothing, again, compared to Google. Yeah, and I think there's a huge opportunity, and I think certainly, you know, we as a network, we're going on that journey with them to actually understand whether it's Amazon or Google, both of them included, because we have to be agnostic for our clients. I think we're not hedging our bets in either one. I think we're exploring. And again, if I were to look at how much money is just going to voice search alone, just even in the last 18 months, mm -hmm. right, from traditional search, that's very indicative of where, you know, not just where consumer behavior is going, but potentially where dollars are going to start to follow and how we're going to have to rethink strategies in these wall gardens. Yeah, I mean, I think their impact on content, you know, let's, let's talk about the content play that Amazon, I mean, that's the fascinating piece for me right now. It's kind of how they are impacting the cable networks and the rest, you know. So I think, that, you know, that's going to start to twist things out of all proportion as opposed to just being a pure play, ad play. Mm. Okay. Facebook spending will not decrease. In, in, okay. Nothing's going to change. Works too well. If it works, it works. And it works. And it works. <laughs> LinkedIn has untapped potential. For what? You love LinkedIn. I knew you were a LinkedIn thought leader, Steve. I don't, I don't, I don't particularly it. love it at all. I, so it, is anybody LinkedIn in the audience? No, I'm going to say out. I mean, it irritates me in many regards because I think it could be so much better. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so absolutely, I think it's okay. got untapped potential. You know, what the really smart move by Microsoft, you know, mm. what it's going to be within the Microsoft right. ecosystem, right. you know, let's look at the traction Bing's getting, you put all that together, 
I don't know, I think I read a stat recently, somebody correct, you've got loads of stats in your head, you can correct me. She just has them. I haven't really got many at all, um, I'm very right brain. Uh, but it's something like that ecosystem puts together 70% of the paid workforce in the US. That's a really interesting, if I've got that about right, that's a really interesting thought. So God knows there's, there's lots of untapped potential there. I just wish it would stop trying to be Facebook. Interesting. Like, don't tell me it's somebody's birthday. I'm, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Does anybody care? You know, but I love oh, it. I and care. I love it. <laughs> Not really. Don't ever wish anybody happy birthday on me. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't. You promise me. In, out, you agree? I, 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 put, I put out, actually, oh, okay. just, just to be contentious uh, to some extent, because I am, you know, they're obviously part of my client, Oster, sure, as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm seeing the back-end opportunities, mm. not what you're seeing as end-to-end -end consumers mm. uh, or even B2B professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm seeing in terms of how we're unlocking the value of what LinkedIn data brings, sure. that's super powerful. Yeah. But as a platform on its own, I, I mean, where do you want to take it? I mean, you think about Skype, mes Skype Messenger, you think about Hotmail, you think about LinkedIn, you all of those platforms that start to converge. Mm -hmm. I, for me, it's not about making LinkedIn better, but it's taking all those assets, bring it together, and making it a much more cohesive value proposition to the end consumer. Yeah. It's time to move off Snapchat. I've never been on it. Well, what, what Snapchat? <laughs> I think it tells you everything you need to know. I have to say, this is, this is a huge, I mean, just about, what, two years ago, I think I might have probably asked, not in this format, but asked somebody uh, this question, kind of similar, and it was like, well, Snapchat is going to be the it. But, yeah. But I would, but, sorry, yeah. but when I say okay. out, I, think, I don't think it's time. Am I saying it the wrong way around? That's it's okay. Yeah. Just tell us what you're I don't, saying. I don't think, I, I think Snapchat's a thing. I like it. It's good. It, you know, it deals with a certain proportion of the population. I think it's interesting. I think their innovation record and the, the authenticity in that company is really interesting. You know, talking about how you develop trust with brands and content, consumers. You know, when you hear them talk, that's, that's really interesting for me too. They've, I think it's fair to say, they've weathered a difficult last 12 months or so. Mm -hmm. and, they've, and they've come through that. Engagement on the platform from everything I can see is, you know, it's pretty healthy. So, yeah, so stories didn't Instagram stories hasn't really well, largely supported. Well, I th there's no question that's had an impact, mm -hmm. but you know, and again, it's a terrible sample of one, isn't it? But you know, my my expanded family spend all their time secretly messing around on Snapchat rather than visibly <laughs> doing it on anything else. Okay. And I've I... got all of their passwords. <laughs> oh, that's scary. <laughs> Wish them all a happy birthday. <laughs> I, think, I think Snap's going to get super interesting as AR, VR storytelling starts to come to life. Uh, so I think the opportunity for them has not been realized yet. So it's not there yet. It's Whatever's happened yet. so far is simply... Cor correct. Because we're already seeing really good storytelling on, mm -hmm. AR, on AR platforms, right? Mm -hmm. It's a natural transition. And I know Facebook's been thinking and testing about it in their stories, as is Instagram. But I think if they can scale that amongst that young audience, yep. it becomes very compelling. I agree. YouTube has not recovered from the... See, this was written before yes, the latest so brand retro. safety snafu. So it's great. I, I don't think it's recovered from yesterday's brand safety snafu. Um, so I don't even know what to do with this, but you tell well, me. So I'll say this. What's interesting, I asked a colleague of mine, um, I said, listen, are we still buying third, uh, YouTube inventory via third parties? Should we not be turning that off too? 
Was and this because of the latest? What yeah, happened? yeah, because oh, of what yeah. happened. Well, trust me, it calls all over the world last night, last night coming to this morning. Like, what should we be telling clients? What should they be doing? Yeah. Do you pause activity? Do you just pull everything off? And they start talking about third-party networks in the US that are selling YouTube inventory. And the response I got was, well, actually, it's actually better governed and better quality. And I thought, what? I said, you're telling me that we should continue spending with third party because they're better controls than YouTube does. That, for me, is a big problem. Ah, so this fair. is what I mean about Google taking responsibility in some instances. The data's there. The engineering's there. They're just not, I, I don't, I get that things slip through the crack. But smaller companies are able to manage this better than they are. That yeah. you know, begs the question, how are you going to recover? Maybe they need to go back to going via third party resellers That's for YouTube. I don't, I don't think recovered's the right word. I mean, you know, as I said earlier, YouTube and Facebook and others are going to carry on having these problems. Mm -hmm. It's just fact of life, right? So let, let's just acknowledge that a new thing will be out, unfortunately, fairly frequently. And it's about the speed with which you respond to that and deal with that. I mean, this latest one is around comments on things. Do you know so what who, I mean? It's actually, it's actually more of a commentary problem than it is a content problem, which mm -hmm. is a different kind of a problem. And we'll get another different kind of a problem when people start getting smart, you know, the bad actors in, our, in you know, different parts of the world, in the dark mm -hmm. alleyways of the internet web, get smart about using other technologies to do it. We've just got to be really smart and agile, keep it a really live industry conversation and work to the end goal. And, and as I say, I, I think Google are doing an awful lot to, to get to that place with the industry. I think these are both excellent points, but I did want to ask one question. Was it really surprising that comments were a dumpster fire on YouTube? I mean, the, the amount of shock, it was like, there's porn on the internet? I mean, mm. of course the comments are a dumpster fire. Like, oh, this is this. where AI comes into play. Yeah. <laughs> You've just been waiting to just bring in AI. But that was, the, that was the thing that surprised me most. Uh, last one, the consultancy threat is overblown. In. I think it's overdone. In right, yeah. Okay. I agree. Okay. Just it's just, I mean, it, it, I said this at the four A's the other day. You know, consultancies are just a different form of agency coming in, new kids on the block doing things slightly differently. So let's use it as an opportunity to keep our sector of the business, and our sector of the business is starting to go a lot more horizontal than you know, the comfy zones of us working in agency media departments in the, in the previous years. We're now a collaborative industry. This is a new player in, it could just as well be a new agency that started. If it wasn't called Accenture and it was called, you know, brilliantmedia.com, we wouldn't have a problem with it, would we? So let's just get on with it and be as good as we can be at what we do and get our attitude right on this stuff and be all in pursuit of clients' business, not overly worry about what competition is coming to hit us. It will only make us better, in my view. Like yeah, I think that you'll start to see strategic joint ventures between the agency holding companies mm -hmm. and a lot of these consultancies. Because I think in the past, clients have spent millions of dollars on strategy documents with the Boston Consulting Groups and the McKinsey's as well. But strategy was never connected in the, in, in the most accurate way when it came to media planning and activation. Mm -hmm. And I think actually bringing these two closer together, this collaborative effort, I think that's, again, to your point, focus on driving the right value for our clients. Where I'm concerned is where their auditors as well as consultants. Mm. Let me carve that one out. Two bites of the That same. is unacceptable. You can't, you can't actually sit there trying to audit the business and then nope. say, well, use us then. Correct. Okay, great. Well, I'll give you both an in. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, then please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you liked the show, then also please leave us a rating and a review on wherever you're listening, because that really helps our podcast be discovered. And I'll be back soon with another episode.